Welcome to Agile Adventures, where we explore concepts, tips, and tricks that help your teams achieve their goals and dreams. Good. Happy Sundays, or whenever it is that I release this. And welcome to Agile Adventures with Jacob Shore and Brian Levy. Usually I say Brian Levy and Jacob Shore, but the whole uh, whatever it is that I release this thing threw me off a bit, so I had to, I had to reverse it. <laughs> My apologies. Usually it's, it's alphabetical, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Today was, today was uh, well, no, I think, I, th I mean, I think both in English and in Hebrew, you're kind of forming the alphabetically, so never mind. Yeah. Well, and, and as far as our last names, is it isn't my name more important? A levy. That's, that's um, a powerful name in Israel, right? I mean, yeah, the Levite tribe. I mean, the Levite tribe. Yeah, I, I mean, it's cool and all. It's like sort of like uh, they get all of their. Uh, they're like a. Uh, Butcher's twat tribe for the Kohens, right? Right. So, like, they, they're just like not a, uh, yeah, like, like people don't go around, like, you know, like Kohens have a whole like in club. I don't think the Levi's do. Okay. Like, like, uh, I know of like, like my, my, my mother, her like family is like a Kohen family. And like, yeah, they were like all into like being coined. And I know another person who like says his wife like had a bunch of friends at her school that were like the the bot the, the daughters of coin clubs. It's like a thing, and it's like a cast, it's like you know. But yeah, but yeah, Le Levi's cool too. Uh, yeah. But my next mission is to go and start some clubs in that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, that, there's always that option. <laughs> I like, I don't know. I think like being a uh, like uh, a uh, like uh, a Cherokee refugee is like much more unique than. <laughs> Being a being a Levi, but yeah, it's cool. I mean, it could be just see what you're used to, right? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Well, cool. What, what's our uh, what's our topic for today? We had an interesting topic. We always have interesting topics. What are you trying to What are you trying to suggest here? Like, uh, this one's just like super, super. Today's topic was on uh, knowledge sharing. How you share knowledge with the team, uh, which is a particularly hard hitting uh, subject for me because I am in a team where I have none of the knowledge and it, uh, other people have the knowledge now. And I have no idea what, what is going on. The whole code base is a big question mark. Right. But well, I have some really strong opinions on this. So I'm, I'm going to throw them out. Let's hear them. Let's see how it goes. All right, so the uh, when you think about all the 
the things that we have to do in software development. Without question, there's no argument for anyone that we have to have testing. I mean, not for me. I mean, you will get, I mean, listen, like, you know, like the, the I mean, I guess, you know, like in the Talmud, right? So sometimes it says, uh, it says everybody agrees. And of course, everybody is always assuming that you're a rabbi in in the fifth century or between the, tw- the second, the second century BCE and the fifth century CE. And you're living in this, you know, yeah, yeah, sure. Everyone agrees, yeah. <laughs> well, the, re- the reason I throw this out is that oftentimes the, the traditional approach for sharing design knowledge was to create separate design documents. And my theory is that let's not start with additional documents that you didn't have to create. Let's start with things that you had to create, which is testing. Now, testing okay, is so, so essential. So let's, let's, mm-hmm. let's, okay, well, but here, here's where you get into the whole coupling thing. Like, right. Like, even though everybody agrees that you should do testing, most people's testing is terrible. Yes. So no. that seems like but a problem one... if you're going to rely on that to figure out what the code base is doing. Well, so I, my theory is that I should be able to figure out the design by the nature of the test. Because what am I testing? I should be testing not only that the requirements are being met, but also that the design of the system actually works. So if I have that set of documentation in my test, I can... Yeah, you should be doing that, right? (laughs) (laughs) So my my thing for sharing sharing design information amongst the team is to spoof up to reinforce kind of uh, mandates and formats for my test documentation and use that as a primary source of knowledge transfer. In fact, I'll go a step further. In most organizations, they have a product development side that builds the product. And then they have a maintenance organization that actually takes customer problems, defects, um, escalations that come from customers and actually tries to address them. And mm-hmm. if you're in one of those such organizations, the best thing I could do is quit. If I'm actually tr- trying to solve a customer escalation, a customer found defect, is to use the test, the actual physical test that came from development and use it to break down the system to identify what parts of it may not be optimal, right? So, I mean, like like this, the test is more important than the code. Absolutely. In fact, yes. from my consulting side, it's been a shortcut. Now, because usually you had to spend time and talk to people for long periods of time to understand the way the system works. 
the shortcut I've always used as a consultant is to come in and read the test documentation. And if you have automated tests to look at the physical automated uh, test scripts and code and use that to figure out how the system works. It's like a shortcut. So, I mean, I do that too, but usually it still doesn't work. Haha, <laughs> and actually let me quiz you. And why doesn't it work? Because the tests are terrible. Exactly. So this goes back to my initial, uh, my initial theory is the, so most times we're stringent about coding standards and we'll have code reviews. Um, I actually don't think those are as important as test documentation standards and test reviews. I would rather spend the time and effort making sure that the tests are documented in a way and formatted in a way that helps me understand the code so I can use that as my knowledge currency throughout my team. Okay, so another issue with this that is gonna come up immediately is that if you wanna have good test coverage, it takes a lot of skill. Yes. Like, uh, like, because, you know, unit tests, okay, they're not hard to make, good. Uh, although, you know, depending on how poorly you've designed your system, it could be hell to make, you know, but that's another thing. Meaning, obviously, you know, we're talking about you know, like a chicken and egg here, but I'm not going to even get into that. But like, for instance, like, uh, but all the integration stuff, like, uh, very hard to test without knowing what you like. You know, like, uh, like uh, there's just, uh, you know, uh, right now I'm trying to fix a bug that has to do with. Um, things not being moved into the spam fol folder via the Microsoft API for Outlook, right? Right. Like uh, any tests you're going to have for that, it's going to be high, very mocked and it's going to be hard to like, you know, or you're going to have to like, uh, yeah, it's going to be hard or you can have, you know, like, you have to know about setting up, uh, you know, a a, out, a Outlook test uh, mailbox and stuff like that. So, yep. all these things, like, yeah, there's a lot of skill that's going to be involved in that. Absolutely, and here's the thing: um, the skill necessary to perform the test. It was there initially because someone coded in a certain way that function to work. So, or not. <laughs> or not work. But at least they tried. <laughs> yeah. And so, the, I mean, uh, I, at, at my new job, I'm learning that just because something is marked as done. And it's in the it's in the thing and everything. Does it doesn't mean that it ever worked? It doesn't mean right. it even works once. <laughs> That's true. Well, and this is why this is so important too, because 
the test should be that verification piece that at least lets me know if it did work at least once. Yeah, yeah. But it, that's we, good. But we tend not to put the effort into making sure that the tests are, are documented properly. And that's why you like all that information. But again, my theory is that if we put the focus on it, it's, I would put the focus on it before we actually code. Let's make sure that we clearly understand here's what user scenarios, because again, the key to integration tests, I only built the pieces to actually interact so that they can fulfill a user scenario. So just to make sure that we understand the user scenarios that we're trying to solve for and make sure those are all documented. And if I make sure those are all documented, it's much easier for me to figure out, well, how will we validate that piece, right? I think that most of our perspective from creating um, integration tests is from bottom up, but it should be top down. I should be thinking about from the perspective of the user, what are they trying to accomplish and how would I validate that part from an acceptance standpoint? So yeah, I mean, I have this thing where I noticed that like uh, at least somewhat recently that like, most bad design would be fixed if you just wrote the tests first. Exactly. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, like meaning cause like all these things where like it's like uh, you see the like you know this test where you know like recently you had a test we have to run an instance of Cassandra to see if it works and the unit tests, right? And you're basically you're running an instance of Cassandra to see if when you query for, uh, you know, for, for this number, right, which is an API key for this date range, you're going to get back things in a certain date range. Gotcha. Right? So you, you don't really need to, like, to get an in instance of Cassandra running for that. Like, yeah. You really could have just checked any, you know, you clearly could have just just uh, added that to, I mean, unless you want to check that you know how to write Cassandra CQL, right? Right. If you want to check that, like, then, okay, like, you're right. You need to just put a stub in to pass in a value within that range. Once it's passed yeah. down, I don't know if it works. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Saying we don't, yeah, so, you know. But you can even if you yes, wanted to, yeah. But yeah, so all these things like it seems like someone did the whole thing and then realized oh, I have to write a test for it, and then so they just started up Cassandra to do that. Yeah, that's like hard work anyway. That's that's too much work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed. Yeah, but I, I mean, and then on top of that. Uh, you have, I mean, you have situations where, uh, yeah, where there's, um, what was I going to say? Yeah, where they, what was this other thing I saw recently? 
Yeah, whatever. Anyway, I, I lost the train of thought. Oh, no worries. I mean, even what you just described with that situation with Cassandra, like, you know, the way they wrote the test, it sounds like they're also testing that Cassandra works properly. And I'm like, hey, I can probably depend on that. It's going to depend on your code, right? <laughs> well, I mean, they're, yeah, well, they're, I mean, or like, I mean, the only thing you could say is that maybe they're worried that somebody will have written, uh, will have written poor CQL. Like, right. Could happen. Like, but like, you know, like, uh, which I hear, but um, yeah. Anyways, um, but like, it, it wasn't as though like that was the, like, meaning, you know, it could be that if you just want to do tests on, you know, like, I mean, on, let's say, you know, let's say SQL, make sure your SQL is right. You know, maybe there is a place to test for that, but that wasn't, right. that wasn't, it wasn't obvious that that, that was what the test was supposed to test. It seemed like it was supposed to test that the keys were 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 calibrated to the right date ranges. Uh, then there's another play. Oh yeah, then there's all these things where like it's obvious that the test was never never failed ever. <laughs> I've seen that many times before. <laughs> Yeah, so like where it was like, um, there's one case where they were testing, like they were testing the wrong, testing the wrong parameter. Like the function tests parameter X and they test parameter Y. <laughs> and parameter X is like, is a, has a, yeah. Was always correct. Was always correct because it was like basically a true or false, and everyone really changed it because they were testing parameter Y. <laughs> it was like okay. Then it was what like what did test said assert true. <laughs> yes. Right. <laughs> one equals one. <laughs> yes. So I had to look. Uh, so. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go a step further. So again, going back to my maintenance versus development issue. Most often we build the systems, and when we build it, we think about the internal components that we're building, and we document our systems that way by our components. But then when you get a defect. You're, you kind of can't figure out which component, which code modules are actually uh, the culprit because you have to do this translation between what the customer is experiencing and how you've actually translated that in the internal designs and workings of the system. Uh -huh. And I'm like, hey, the beginning of all your documentation, it should be arranged according to the functionality that the, the users are actually wanting. So when they call in with this defect type, this, this part doesn't work. I don't have to immediately do that design work to figure out where things are. I'm running tests 
by scenario, mimicking the scenario that they gave me where they had the problem. And if I have my tests formatted and documented the right way, I can just keep running those scenario tests and use that to narrow down what parts of my system are actually not working properly. But are you talking about like um, the order in which the tests are run or something? Well, not the order in which they're run, but just by the way I document the tests in my system. So if I document um, features in JIRA uh -huh. using the same product documentation language that I gave the customer, then, all right, you did this function, you work with this feature and you had this problem. Well, now I've narrowed down to that feature by the test. And if this thing passes, well, now I can narrow it down by the scenarios. And if it passes, then now I can narrow it down by integration pieces. And I can keep narrowing it down further and further. And so I can identify, well, here's, here's the unit test that didn't pass. And now I know exactly what piece of my system I need to correct. Yeah, the only thing is that usually when the customer calls and says something didn't work, it means there was no unit test. <laughs> but that helps me too, right? I, if I run the test that um, I actually have and all those paths, then I can look for the gaps and I know, oh, the problem's going to be in one of these gaps. I mean, that, 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 that's like uh, making a lot of assumptions, like, you know, like uh, the gaps are, are smaller than the tests. <laughs> like, I guess <laughs> it could be narrowed down like 20% of the possible possibilities with the tests. <laughs> Depending on how badly your system is documented, right? <laughs> I mean, listen, like, I don't know, like, maybe I just uh, haven't gotten... Listen, like I've never worked for Microsoft or, uh, you know, never worked for, uh, I don't know, uh, some, you know, I never worked for Intel, like maybe all of their stuff is awesome, but like all of these companies I've worked at, like it's been terrible. <laughs> I guess this goes back to our, uh, actually it wasn't, it was a discussion I was having with somebody else um, that we were discussing, uh, why the documentation is terrible and they're like hey you know what we gotta hurry up and get something out just to get funding to go to the next stage and so like nobody wants to spend the time with the documentation so they can get the funding and then they're like oh yeah well once we get the funding then we'll document stuff but at that time everyone's forgotten what they were supposed to document so it just never gets documented <laughs> so yeah well, that's a that's a good I, I don't know like i i hear the excuse like, I mean, that kind of makes sense. Like, you know, sometimes it's just like, yeah, you need to have a working prototype. Right. How much it has to work, how often it has to work, does it have to work every day? No, just it's work <laughs> enough that you could show the prototype. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the, the, the fallacy with that is that as you're building new functionality on top of it, without having 
other people that can understand the design of the system and be able to communicate it well, then you can't scale it easily. You're relying on oh, how good your employees' memory is, right? 100%. Just the question, the problem is just that, meaning like, yeah, I hear, but on the other hand, yeah, like you, when it, like sometimes looking, looking long, if, if you need to get funding, looking long-term doesn't always necessarily work. Like, yes, it could right. be that like, it'll take you six months to do it properly and one month to do it in a terrible way that will totally handicap you in the future. But you know what else will handicap you in the future? Not having any money. That's right. <laughs> so I, I think that the question, uh, the question that you have to ask yourself as a developer is, in order for someone else to understand it enough to add in a new feature and not interrupt me, you know, as a as frequently as I'm currently being interrupted by new people, right? And again, the individual developer can determine how much interruption they want, and then you need to document enough tests so that you can actually point to the test to say, did you read this first? Okay. Let's, let's, let's talk about the, let's talk about uh, degrees, right? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, because I think that if you're a skilled developer, uh, you can make, you probably, there's a lot of stuff you could do that will save you a lot of pain in the future, even, and not cost you that much of a time. It won't, will not take so much time that the, that the development speed will not be suffer great because of it. I think it's a false dichotomy. I think like the idea like, oh, we're going to do everything really quickly. So screw tests and, uh, and the idea that, oh, like, uh, if you don't do tests, then you won't, it'll be harder to document and you won't know what your app is doing. I think it's a false dichotomy. Like, I think that, like, a lot of things you could do. Uh, and when you take the test, it's just like, when you write a test, a lot of times it's just like um, forcing you to, to actually design your thing properly, which you probably haven't done if you're not, if you're, in too much of a hurry to write tests. So I think right. even, I think that will pay dividends even in the short term. If we're not thinking about, right. oh, like, how are you gonna like train the next people when you scale? Like I think, I, I have to get to a working, yeah, like even to get a working prototype, I think you're going to get to a point where it's like, oh, crap i should have written a test because like i have no idea what i was thinking here like you know even on the first month where you're writing your prototypes yeah i definitely have to agree with you here I, I think that forcing everyone to think about the tests up front it's going to you know earlier you said it will change your design you know and kind of going to a, a step further saying it forced you to actually just Think about how you are designing it. <laughs> yes, yes. Not not change your design as in actually design it. <laughs> right. 
Because <laughs> you're right. I mean, with the way some people code things, they really haven't thought things through in advance. And yes. forcing the forcing the test um, will actually force people to think about how should this thing work. Yeah. Especially when you're thinking about, you know, because usually, you know, in an agile environment, I have an immediate problem, but there's a backlog. So I know I'm going to add in all these other um, pieces of functionality. Mm -hmm. And I should think about those up front, right? How can I actually program what I'm doing right now in a way that makes it easier to expand the functionality to these other items that are in the backlog? Yeah, that would be good. Well, yeah, I mean, like, listen, like the more a programmer has a holistic sense of the, what the app is doing, obviously that's better, right? Right. Like, uh, yeah, but the problem is that like a lot of things like, like a lot of systems are just too complex for a single programmer to like figure out the entire system and the amount of time it will take it to be productive. Right. right. Like, uh, you know, so certain people like, you know, like at a certain level, like, yeah, you should look at the backlog and figuring out what the next things are. But like, yeah, and certain, I mean, also it's an organizational thing too. Like where certain people, certain organizations don't know how to express what their app actually does. Uh, they know how to express, know how to exp express the product, but they can't express what they're actually doing. Dan, this is kind of further from my argument to, uh, I think everything should be expressed through tests, in, including the backlog, right? If I should actually, instead of writing down, like here's a description of the functionality, I would rather be write down and sketch out, well, here's the test scenario. And here's some basics about how the test will be run and use that instead of the descriptions we make it. It's probably a clearer format anyway to understand what we're doing. And there's an old thing about uh, in dry, don't repeat yourself. If you just focus not on writing requirements and then writing design and writing tests, just start from reverse. Just start with the test, writing that stuff and use a format that's understandable so that people can actually figure out what the requirement is from the test, figure out what the design is from the test, right? Just focus on the test. One thing you're, written, you're writing down. Start at a high level. And then as you iterate through, you can add more and more detail. Yeah, there's also like a cultural issue of like, you know, people hire testers as like, lesser programmers right like the such the people have gotten their head like oh like they're like the developers they make the real app and then they're the testers right and people hide like some people's job just to test apps you know right <laughs> and like yes the way that you're writing it like yes that's the more important job <laughs> 
Yeah, because any I rather I want to iterate through it. So if I want to get an overview of the system, there should be an acceptance level of test documentation that just gives me the major functionality. And then if I want to actually understand a little bit deeper, then there's like an acceptance scenario level that goes to the next level. And then there's a, you know, then there's an, an integration level of testing that goes to the next level. And so as you're doing your grooming, getting closer to where you're going to develop things, you're actually just creating a deeper level of a test shell to hold all the information. Yeah. You ever, you ever work with like uh, test suites like Jasmine or like those like the ones where they are like Jest where they like sort of like like the where like you run the tests and they you know and they like the way that you write them like you're supposed to actually write out like you know you have like a should and then you have like a sentence you're supposed to write and then a function right so like if yeah. it's done yeah. properly like it just tells you like this function should do this, and uh, it should, it should, so, you know, these inputs, you should get that. And, uh, you know, this is expected to do that. And, you know, like basically, so when you run it, also Cypress does this. So like, yeah. you actually get like a whole, it actually explains itself. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, I, I think I first saw it in Jess, but like Cypress, yeah, you're right, Cypress does it too. and it, so when you're running it, it actually highlights here's the part that uh, that you're running and here's where you're messing up, right? Yeah. So in my project, there's a there's a way to configure PyTools to PyTest to that too. So I always configure PyTest to do that too. And if I have, I mean, not uh, on on my own projects, not on corporate projects, because uh, you know, like you know, yeah, I should fight them about it, but. Yeah. There's only so it's much on efficiency at work. <laughs> like, ah, whatever. Like, you know, I just get like, yeah, I just get, uh, I get too much resistance and too much like, ah, what want, you know? Like, uh, yeah, our tests are fine. They like our tests. Everyone complains about our tests. We're very defensive about it. But so. Here's a problem, and this is why I'm, I'm arguing as far as the, the hierarchy. When you are, when I'm doing acceptance tests, overall acceptance tests, the acceptance scenario test, the next level down, I don't need to actually explain anything about how the components work. It can be, okay, here's what the user does, here's what the system does in response, and that I actually get that, you know, let me validate that I got this response, you know, for, for these parameters, right? And the tough part is when you go down from that acceptance scenario level into the integration level testing. Once I start doing an integration level testing, I'm not just looking at inputs and outputs. I'm actually looking at well, what gets passed in the interfaces? 
so I should be describing those things, which inevitably is going to lead into here are the components, and here's the purpose of each component. It does this and passes this information, right? So I start getting to the inputs and outputs with the integration level. And I think that what happens with the testing is that in the documentation, the knowledge transfer, we skip that level the most. We'll do unit tests. We'll do high level acceptance tests. But the levels in between, we kind of skip. So I, I think you almost have to force people to go level by level, you know, from the highest level down so that you don't skip it. And then people will actually understand the design of the system. I, I personally think that I understand more about how the design of the system through integration level than I do by looking at hundreds of thousands of unit tests. <laughs> So like uh, you, you're talking about like Cypress or Jenkins or correct yeah yeah both although Jenkins a lot of times will just run unit tests like you know I've seen people use Jenkins to run unit tests but like the idea is not that's not the idea behind it right and but the combination because I should be using like combinations of Jenkins and Sonar to figure out my coverage. And that'll help me understand better how the system's working and, and actually debug things quicker. Yeah. I mean, coverage is a leaky abstraction kind of, like, you know, like it doesn't always, like, cause like sometimes, you know, like you make a, you make, like you make an interface and like, okay, like, or an abstract class and like, okay, you just ruined your coverage. So then you then you do like a ignore here. So then like okay, like now it's a joke. <laughs> you know, but yeah, so you know, like actually like coverage is uh, is is like it's really more like I don't I don't like looking at, at like a hundred percent coverage just because of that, like because it's it's a little bit of a I don't, I don't find like, it's, it's not a guarantee. Like you don't have a hundred percent, if you have a hundred percent coverage, does it mean that you've tested things? Right. Yeah. But I mean, I should at least be able to, with the tests that I have, be able to see major diversions from a code path perspective. So if I have an abstract class, um, there's gonna be some classes that are inheriting some of that behavior that go different ways. And those are different scenarios that I should see in my integration test. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's, yeah, I think me personally, I think that's super valuable information. I, yeah, I'll, no, that is that 100%. Like, yeah. I, I just, yeah, it's just that if, even if you test all that, you still would have 100% coverage because of your abstract class, unless you, right. unless you tell your linter or something to like, you know, play, play stick. So then it's okay, fine. Okay. Yeah. But now, what, what I'm most interested in is if, if I can see the different scenarios involved with my integration, my integration tests, then 
I can look at that and guesstimate that there is an abstract class and for each different scenario, here are the likely, um, likely inheritance classes from that abstract class. Okay. So now I understand how the system is designed, right? And that's the most important thing I could receive from, from another developer to communicate how this thing works, in my opinion. Does yeah. that make sense? It makes sense, yeah. Again, so I, I think that how you format these things from you know, a hierarchy and from a uh, formatting perspective, again, it can give me this richness of information about what you're doing with your code. We, we just don't make use of it. Well, we don't have the rules up front. We don't enforce it so that we can make use of it later. <laughs> okay. I don't see many people like exploring like this whole area either. Like people are still doing all these, you know, block diagrams and you know, I like you email them with the next person. But you know, for me that's like that's extra work. <laughs> who's the next who's the next who have you found another person who likes you email? <laughs> but there, there are others out there. Uh -huh. I'm not the only okay. nerd in a bunch. <laughs> I mean, but you yeah. know, like it's very, I, I don't know, like, uh, yeah, I find it very clunky, you know, <laughs> like you gotta, like, Either like you know, either you got like these like you know whiteboard stuff that you gotta like you know somehow like take a photo of and put it, or you gotta like you know, or you have to like do fancy tools. Uh, yeah. But see, I again, my 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 theory and proposal for documenting the test in this way with this hierarchy would eliminate the, the need for all that stuff for UML for. BPML for all those different languages. See, and not just from a code perspective, also from a process perspective. Because okay. even from a business perspective, we should be thinking about, well, how does the customer implement this stuff? What would I see is output from each process. Okay. It's the same principle. So that's, that's, that's my theory. That's my argument to the masses. Well, okay, let's put out some kind of call to to the uh, the listeners on the call to to kind of write in and say, "Hey, what do you think about this this theory? And why aren't there more avenues where people have explored how to actually do all this with tests instead of all these other diagram languages for design? Just do it with a test. It's easier." When you say instead of, you're making a lot of assumptions. I'm just saying. <laughs> like, uh, again, like, uh, I don't know. Like, you've obviously worked for better companies than I worked, I've worked for. Because in mine, there's usually, like, no design. There's a, there's a wish list of things they would like to happen. And then they just uh, sit, sit on the developer's lap, lap and read, a, read their wish list. 
the developers says, oh, you've been a good boy this year. So I'll try to, we'll, we'll find out soon if I'll get a lump of coal or you'll get a present. <laughs> well, I, I am going with one big underlying assumption, which is, you know, people will actually say, hey, there's no design. Your system is totally disorganized. And my response is always, disorganization is a means of organizing your system. There is a design uh, there. It's just, it's just bad. Yes. <laughs> it's just a poor design, yes. Well, you know. <laughs> uh, you I, know. I, a bad I strategy is a strategy too, you know. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, what's it called? Uh, and and factorial is 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 on the is, is an algorithm. <laughs> you know, it is. A, you, you, you could do it that. Not way. a very good one. Yeah. <laughs> you, you can try everything. <laughs> yes, uh, you, you know, like ideally, you want to make it more likely that what you what you what you want happens than what you don't want happens. But you don't have to do it that way. You could make it like yes. Every time you want something, you get like a 50-50 chance or or 60-40 chance. Yeah. And it reminds me of uh, so they have this uh, they had this technology that uh, they were selling to Orthodox Jews, which it got banned. Where like, you know, like the Orthodox Jews can't turn turn on the light switch on Shabbos on the Sabbath. You've heard of yeah. this, right? Yeah, I've heard, I have heard of this. Yeah. So, like, uh, some company made this, like, uh, made this. Uh, so, there's like a bunch of ways that, like, you're that you that like uh, that make things that uh, Sabbath violation rabbinic instead of biblical, right? Like a rabbinic to right. provide, it's only. And if you add enough of them together, it turns out you're allowed to do it, right? So it's like, you know, like if you add enough loopholes together. So basically, like uh, in, in uh, to do things, like for things to be biblically uh, forbidden on the Sabbath, it has to be that you're, it's a direct result of what you're doing. And it has to be cer a certain result of, you know, a, a certain cause and effect, you know. Some right. level of certainty. So someone made like a light switch, and they thought this would get them out of the problem for somehow. Where like every time, like basically when you flip the switch, so it makes a loop. Uh, and the, any the random any, whether it works. Yeah, and yeah, so like each, and then it randomly, maybe, maybe not, will turn off the light but it will keep doing it until the light turns on. So the result is the same, but yeah, like, you know, so, but like, yes, it's not clear that you flip it, that, that when you, that what, what you're flipping the switch cause, and this is some sort of crazy idea, but anyways, or it could be you'll have to press it twice, right? <laughs> or, you know, but yes. Uh, anyways, so, you know, that I'm just thinking of times you would want to like, maybe like, not necessarily. Maybe it won't work, you know. But other than that, <laughs> other than that, I can't really think of a time you'd want to design something not to work, you know. But some people do that. 
Well, actually, so maybe in our next episode, we'll delve more into that. Hey, when are times people actually do develop things and design it not to work? <laughs> yes, design to fail. <laughs> design to fail. <laughs> yes. Works for code and marriages. <laughs> yes. I mean, you know, there's a whole there's a whole industry in Vegas just, just on that. You know? <laughs> well, in that case, I think it's a good time for us to wrap up. Yes. So join us next time for uh, Design to Fail. Okay, I'm not 100% sure what it means, but that's what we're doing next time. So let's, <laughs> let's, 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 let's roll with it. Okay. Let's roll good, with it. <laughs> yes. All right. Toodaloo.